listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. second yeah second of november we'll go with that and we had a show lined up but then blizzcon happened and a few things in particular at blizzcon happened who could have seen that coming so there's gonna be don't be an ass already <laughs> <laughs> look i'm trying here but yeah so it's there's there's gonna be some things to discuss we'll get to that later uh it started off pretty Pretty slow and pretty, I want to say, actually horrible overall. Joe and I were talking about it while it was happening, and... It's been downhill since Metzen wasn't hosting. I, I don't think it's just that. I think it was a little bit the format, and I think it was the what they were announcing clearly, but it just nothing was making like any ripple of an effect early on, like... In, initially, you got the ass padding, of course, and congratulating themselves on different things that they've done in their esports. And mm. then once they started in on the games, though, start with StarCraft Two. They announced it's the twentieth anniversary. They're working with Google's Deep Mind, and that was it. They moved on to Heroes of the Storm. Now, of course, they're going to talk more about that at the different panels. But normally, we get more than that again at the intro and there was fuck all for mm, there. Not, I, I don't think so not really because here, here's the thing like the one thing that was missing this year from the opening ceremony is a big announcement like and i was talking with people about this before and it was what do they have to announce that's big anymore and like the only thing that they could announce that would really probably be a big like bomb that they would drop that would get people super excited they already said that they weren't going to talk about or announce because it wasn't a thing, right? And that would have been Diablo 4. And they, they this is weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Over the course of the months, they've been saying, we're not going to do anything with it. There's nothing at BlizzCon about it. Stop asking already. But, like, what else is there? We already have the new expansion for WoW. It's out. So there, we know they're going to announce, like, the next steps for it. Okay, big whoop. Um, Overwatch, we're probably, we knew we were probably going to get a new hero. Not that really big exciting. Uh, we knew that we were probably going to get something new for HOTS. Again, really not that big exciting. Nothing big and bombshelly. Not like last year when they were talking about, you know, expansions and new games and stuff like that. Like, like sort of those things. There, there wasn't anybody to really get nothing to get amped about. And I do want to say that I think part of it does have to do with Metzen not opening the ceremonies anymore. Because even if there was nothing to announce in the old, like the old years when like, or was it 2009 where they literally announced like nothing, he still got on that stage swinging Doomhammer and could get a crowd going just because of his infectious enthusiasm. Mike Warheim is very, very chill. Josh Allen is very, or Jay Allen is very, very chill. Like it's a very different vibe and it has been for a number of years. And when you have nothing big to back that up, of course, there's not going to be all that much excitement. Hey, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Not much more to add. It's, you're not lying. It's again, I, there was really not a lot here. They they showed a couple of very impressive trailers at one point. Well, at a few points, but again, in terms of announcements and what to expect, eh, not all that much. Leading into Heroes of the Storm, they did show a couple of videos and they did show the the new hero, which justifiably looks cool, heavily inspired by various anime tropes, but still looked. Looked awesome. Gameplay looked fun. Mm -hmm. Are any of you still playing Heroes of the Storm? Regularly. Never played it. No. Yeah, see, I haven't played it in quite a while. Even Tristan hasn't played it in a while, and I mean, he was playing a lot of it before. But for anybody who is playing, it looked pretty cool. I'm, in, I'm guessing you agree, Joe? I really like it. I also like the idea that this is the first character that isn't from any other Blizzard IP. Like, she she is purely a new creation, and we've been wondering how long it was going to take them to finally do that. Well, now we got our answer, and that's it. Like, it, and I think she looks justifiably fun to play. 
Uh, she has some weird, like, dark, whimsical nature about her, which I think is fun. And I think it'll add to the overall experience. See, I'm still wondering whether it was time to start inventing characters just for that game. Because I think part of the draw of the game is of the the blend, the Secret Wars-ish kind of attitude of everybody coming from the various IPs against each other. And that was working for it. So, but regardless, we'll see. Let's move on to WoW. Now, they actually didn't show a lot initially there. There was the trailer that they showed with Anduin and Saurfang was quite good, but there wasn't much shown. But you found some more afterwards, right, Joe? Oh, yeah, there's a ton more because there was the uh, the what's next. Uh, so the first thing they talked about was we're going to be getting the next big update, which is patch 8.1, which is, uh, what is it? Uh, Tides of Vengeance, uh, which is going to be in December. I think it's December 11th is the dropping date for that. Uh, so not too far away, but far enough that some people are still groaning. Uh, but that's going to be the next story beat updates, and it's going to be the precursor to the next raid, uh, which is going to be the battle for, Dura- I can never pronounce it right, Dazar Lore, uh, which is basically the Horde main city. Uh, and they talked a little bit about that and when to expect that, which is going to be shortly thereafter, somewhere after the new year which is about right. A couple weeks after the, the patch drops, then everything's stable. They'll release the raid just like they did with in the past. Uh, the interesting stuff came in the what's next sort of segments, though. And there was actually a lot here. Uh, so first thing we got was that there is going to be, uh, we got patch eight, what is it? 8.1.5 is going to bring the new allied races so that's going to be the Xandalari Trolls and the Kul'tearian Humans, which we've been hearing so much about. We got to see their heritage armor, and we got to learn more about their class makeup. Now, the interesting thing here, at least that I thought was really, really new or, or neat, was Xandalari Trolls are going to be able to be paladins, and Kul'tearian Humans are going to be able to be shaman. And I think that's actually kind of cool, and it fits with the lore of both of those those races in a, a very neat, neat way. Really? You find the paladins for trolls fits? Yeah, 100%. The way that the way the way that they worship Loa and the way that the power of the Loa flows through them, it makes perfect sense. Actually, yeah. When you put it that way, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just remember. I don't remember what expansion it was in, but uh, most of my people were still playing, and like one of uh, most of the bosses were actually like troll paladins, mm-hmm. um, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, eventually, they all burned out on it. I still thought it was cool, and I thought the, this as a lore thing works perfectly. And that's not all. There's been a whole, there was a whole bunch more stuff. Uh, we did learn that shortly after uh, Dazara Lore, we are finally going to start getting the Naga content, which has been uh, not even heavily hinted at. Uh, it's basically just, it's been hit over the head. Like if you did any of the dungeons, there is literally a dungeon where Jara shows up and, you know, is basically corrupting humans to her will getting them on her side and giving them the blessing of, you know, basically turning into Naga and they become little squid faces. Uh, so we're seeing that in the aftermath of Dozar Laura, where we're all, you know, both factions are licking their wounds. She rips up the ruins of her, her civilization from the bottom of the ocean floor and brings it out of the, out of the water, which it looks really, really cool. Uh, and it looks really, really just interesting and neat. And it looks almost like the old water zone uh, that we dealt with before in Cataclysm, but just literally no water. Like, it's been ripped up. So it's got that, like, it's been on the ocean floor for 10,000 years sort of vibe going on. And then they talked a little bit more about that it's going to, that whole thing's going to culminate in a raid and the siege of her palace, which we expected at some point, uh, which will culminate in our fighting her. I don't think she'll die. I'm pretty sure she'll pull a Xanathos, and I'm okay with that. But it looks interesting. It looks intriguing, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're finally getting some Naga stuff because it's been so long. It was a thread in Legion that they sort of dropped and hadn't picked up, and now they are. In the current version of Battle for Azeroth, there's a wild gnome kind of like chewing at a mechanical door, and it hasn't been opened yet. Well, apparently in patch 8.2, that door is going to be open, and it looks like it's almost like an homage to. Uh, fallout because it's basically like a vault but in that vault are really 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 creepy ass gnomes uh so it's going to be mechagog 
uh, Mecha Gone. Yeah, Mecha Gone, which is the lost city of the Mecha Gnomes. And they have these weird fleshy robot hybrid Mecha Gnomes that sort of want to take over everybody and make them these weird hybrid steampunk gnome things. And we're going to stop them and help out these other gnomes called Junkers. Uh, we didn't get to see a whole lot about it, but it's basically going to be almost like a return to Karazhan, but for gnomes, specifically gnomes, and it's going to be a dungeon. So this, I think that's cool. This will keep me in the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why would you want to stop the mecha gnomes? That sounds great. I was thinking I want to be one. I would like this to be an allied race at some point <laughs> because that's fucking uh. awesome. Either that or allow it to be some form of like, almost like an infection or something for existing gnomes that it becomes an option that they can choose when they're making their character. Yeah. So the, about that, um, shortly after mecha gnomes and a bunch of the other weird races that we were going to meet uh, were, were talked about in the panel, a couple blizzard employees started tweeting out things like, Hey, how about those allied races? Huh? Uh, which were then quickly deleted. So I think this might wind up yeah. being an allied race. That is fucking nice. awesome. Well, that, it fits, yeah. too. It, it fits, too, because with the whole Curse of Flesh thing, with mechanomes being sort of proto-gnomes, uh, it ties in with the Titan lore, ties in with the Titan story, and the stuff we're dealing with with Azeroth. So why the hell not? Uh, we did get some information that we're going to be getting a new island expedition. Uh, a couple of them. One of them caught my attention, which is Crestfall, which is an old Warcraft 2 map that they're redoing for Island Expeditions. I think that's fucking cool. Oh, yeah. God, I wasted so much time in college playing Minecraft 2. Was right? Fun. Uh, but I going back to the Mecha Gnomes, I'm with, I'm with you, Joe. They creep me the fuck out. Like, they remind me all of that woman in the uh, CD Projekt Red uh, Cyberpunk 2020-2077 trailer that's, like, putting on her eyeliner with her jaw missing. Each one of these dudes looks that creepy, and I'm not feeling this they just remind me of something out of a doctor who episode that wants to steal your soul yeah i like it all of the, the cute little robots from near automata or that sure we can go with that <laughs> all i'll do is i'll create a guild and the mantra of the guild will be that we follow marty's characters wherever they go not say anything just <laughs> follow behind <laughs> every time he looks there'll be one of those mecha gnomes around him <laughs> I, oh my god! I say go for it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm. I I don't know how that would fit in with with my long term, uh, wow main, but I, I endorse this. Right. And the the last thing that caught my attention was a screenshot, and there's more. There's a ton more. Like flying's coming in eight point two. Um, we shot, got to see the heritage armor for gnomes and Torin. Torin finally gets to strap a totem to their back, which yay. Uh, that's pretty cool. But we got to see a bunch of the mounts and the racials for the uh, the allied races for the Kaltirans and the Zandalari. Zandalari actually looked like they got some pretty cool stuff, uh, including the ability to pray to Aloha for a random blessing, as well as if you jump off the side of a mountain, you can totally push a button and get a pterodon to come in and swoop up and glide you down to the ground safely. Nice. I think it's really, really cool. Did they say what's going to be involved with unlocking them? Uh, you basically, if I am reading it right, is just going to be rep based. So, so get exalted just with their rep. That's what I believe. Hopefully. And probably have to complete like that story for them, which if you've played through it, it, yeah. it you do it. So um, we did get to see some more about the uh, new Warfront that's coming out. It looks like Malfurion is back and he finally transforms into a bear, which he hasn't done ever. Uh, and he destroys some Hordes. And then we get to see a little bit of the uh, Night Warrior, which is the new version of Tehran, which actually looks justifiably creepy because her eyes are fucking pits of blackness with that weird dripping mascara that you usually find in horror movies, which, I mean, cool. Uh, we got to see a new cinematic, which I actually really liked, which was, I think it's called Lost Honor, and it's Anduin interacting with Sarfang. And saying, look, I can't kill Sylvanas on my own. I'm going to need some help. And you didn't kill me before, so very clearly you're upset about things. How about we uh, we work together to mutual ends, and then you can take your horde and leave me the, the, the hell alone. And it seems like that's where we're going with that, which I'm okay with. That was actually a really good trailer, I thought. 
And, and yeah, they do a lot of good trailers, but we both had opinions of the last couple. And But no, this I thought, especially because it's Anduin, and I don't know, as of late, I'm not really on the Anduin bandwagon. But this between the two of them together was actually really quite cool. And it helped seeing their little featurette beforehand mm-hmm. with the kid that's... Um, Doing the motion doing action. the motion capture for him. So once you see that kid, and you're like, oh, okay, you're a good kid. You're trying here, and uh, and it worked a little bit better in my brain. And then the last thing that really stood out to me was not even something they announced, but they threw up a panel on the uh, the stream that said the story continues, and it has four distinct figures on there. It has Anduin in his lion armor. It has the new Jaina Proudmore uh, model, which. If you've played through the Alliance stuff, she's the center point of that story, which I'm just now starting to play through. Um, and then you have Sarfang, who very clearly is very important and is something that's offering us. And I guess I can talk about this because we didn't really get a chance to talk about it this week before, but this ties in. Um, Sarfang is going to be important in patch 8.1. And when the, the campaign continues with him in particular, now we know how he got out, but you're sent to go rescue him. And it turns out that you're not actually going to rescue him, but Sylvanas wants to find him and kill him uh, and basically make sure that you're none the wiser about it. But you get a choice because Zappy Boy comes down and says, hey, uh, he's actually going to be like attempted assassination. We have to stop this. You know, Sylvanas is going to kill him. And the interesting thing here with Patchy Point, and they haven't talked about this in any of the panels yet, is there's they're introducing choice into the game, something that... Roger and I both talked about and complained about with the pre-patch stuff or the pre-expansion stuff where like our characters wouldn't participate in some of these atrocities that are going on because it's not who we are. Well, now you have an option to, to, to basically sit out and here with the Slurfang stuff, you're getting three choices, ignore it and go about your business, actively participate in saving him or blow everything in to Sylvanas. And they haven't said if that's going to affect the story or anything like that. Um, there's definitely a scene that says, like, you know, Zappy Boy will remember that if depending on what you choose. So I don't know, but I think it's interesting that they're trying to introduce some small amount of player agency and allowing you to continue your story based off of what you would pick for your character, which I think is is good. And it's I wish it's they would do better more than good. It's better than good. And the thing that's brilliant about this is that... They can craft a scene wherein the outcome is the same regardless of the choices that you make. However, because you were given that agency, you see the outcome differently because it's how it applies to the choice that you made, regardless of the fact that you would have gotten the same one anyway. That's possible when you're writing. So the fact that they're doing this, even if there is no actual... Um, change to the story based on what you chose, at least your enjoyment of the story mm-hmm. of this, of, of that painted. question is exactly it's you never feel taken out. You still feel invested in your character because they, they made the choices that you would have kind of thing. And that's, that's, that's huge. Like if they can take the lesson from this and apply it moving forward to a lot of different quests that are uh, that they know will be points where people are conflicted about either what they're forced to do or not to do, kind of thing. So this is this is really good. I'm I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how this goes forward. Yeah, and and we're hoping at least that the positive player response urges them to do more of this in the future because players like as soon as this was data mine as soon as this was was something that was out there and put on the and then when it was put on the ptr people were eating this up because this is what players want this is how you you help people get immersed and care about the story when they feel like they have agency and we talked about this with bioshock infinite even if you have no agency in the actual development of the story like you said giving you the pseudo choice, letting you, letting you choose your path around the obstacle matters a lot. Yeah, very much. And then the last, sorry, go ahead. I would totally replay any number of things in the wild campaign, wild campaigns. If I got to make choices that my character would have made, for example, when you go to, um, Oh my God, floating mage city, 
the Dalaran. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. When you go to Dalaran in one of the expansions where you're rounding up and kicking out and murdering uh, uh, blood elves, like there's no way in hell, even as shady as my mains have been, that they would have done something like that. That's just gross. Um, that is something that like would really I would I would love to go back and do stuff like that. That would that would you know, be awesome for me. Well, the thing, too, is that they can take some other lessons that they might have learned over the years as well and say with a quest like that, you have the choice of either doing the quest, showing your loyalty or whatever, and doing it, and then you get the reward at the end, or you get to choose, no, I'm not going to take part of that, and the consequence is you don't get the reward, much like life, and that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Now... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask if there's anything else, but clearly there is. There is one last thing in this this image that I want to talk about that I th- that I'm. This is a selfish moment for me, and I'm going to fucking take it. Uh, remember that crackpot theory I had about Sylvanas trucking with old gods back in like a, a maybe a couple months ago, and everybody told me I was crazy and wrong, and that it wasn't going to be the case, and there's no way that this is being done because of old gods. Blah 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 blah. In that damn image, she has Zalatath. The uh, the piece of old god shadow priest weapon from Legion. That yeah. I don't think is coincidence. Yes, yes, we do remember because you won't let us forget. <laughs> <laughs> you keep bringing it up, motherfucker, like it's some grand design here. I still support Joe. I've believed his crackpot theory. I am one hundred percent. Joe as theorist. Marty, I, I feel it's disingenuous at this point to call it a crackpot theory. It's whatever. <laughs> but no, I, it actually excited me because it, like they do this a lot where like the images and the stuff they put on the screen and they don't talk about are little Easter eggs for people that pay attention. And I am totally one of those people because I am a fucking nerd for this story in WoW. So yeah, I'm hoping that that will be elaborated on in the coming uh it, releases so we'll see we'll see what happens and that's that's it for a while <laughs> well no it's not that's the thing and this is this is actually good for people who are taking what you just said into the story of wow the old warcraft games were good for a reason they were exceptionally well done rts's but more so than that the stories were strong enough that the stories the lore the characters were able to propel WoW into what it became. Because it certainly wasn't just the gameplay of WoW being somewhat newish to a certain degree. It was also that people at that point were already heavily invested in Warcraft. And they are redoing Warcraft 3 and putting it out as Warcraft 3 Reforged. And it's going to be the campaign and they have redone a significant amount of it it looks fantastic and i'm not quite sure it's coming out sometime on number four december 31st 2019 so it'll be a while yet but they are pre-selling it already of course uh not for too much actually and it is still a game regardless of if you played it or not if you played it then you're going to just agree with me that holds up it's a spectacular rts that is engaging and a ton of fun to play at least three of us i don't know if vince you played as well played the fuck out of it when it was out and so it's a great again in just in terms of the game it's a great game but then if you are a wow fan you kind of almost owe it to yourself to play it just so that you can see a lot of where these story arcs came from where the characters came from and different things like that so this is one of those hd remade games kind of things that a lot of people are going to be on board and they're also going to be suggesting to others yeah give it a shot i'm actually really interested to see if they also will like do extra work with the orc campaign out of frozen throne because that was essentially wow 0.1 yeah yeah because that was just essentially it was a rpg using the rts engine and that's you know we wouldn't be where we are today without that like that's the most fascinating part of it for me 
if I'm reading it right from what they have on the site, it's everything. It's the complete Warcraft 3 experience. Oh, that's so good. There's the yeah. reason why, like, everyone I hung out with on WoW like, had a character that stemmed and had a relationship to the Third War and, and like, either was there in the fall of Lord Ron or, uh, oh, it's just, oh, I love it so much. Like, uh, this makes me want to play the game so much more than normal. And also, like, I want to note that, like, even their, like, digital collector's edition, which they are offering, is not very expensive. No. Which, which please me, and it's going to give me a meat wagon mountain. Wow, that with a working catapult. So, okay, you got my money. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll be picking it up as well because I'm actually justifiably looking forward to playing it. And I'll probably wind up picking it up for my son as well because this is the type of game that we would have a blast playing together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. quite looking forward to this. Okay, so from there now, let's move away from, wow, Overwatch had, Overwatch is where it got interesting in terms of the the show. Um, they were having some problems with Hearthstone's audio. We'll get to Hearthstone later. And then they switched over to Overwatch. And, of course, Kaplan was there. The You immediately get this trailer, the reunion trailer, that has McCree at Route 66 in the diner. And it shows you the heist that resulted in the train car being crashed there, which I thought was cool as fuck. And then he, what am I doing? I'm Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for it. No, you're having I fun. I am man. so sorry, it. Joe. I was Don't getting a little excited. How about go I go it. to you when we talk about the new hero? That's fine. Go for it. Dude, I'm sorry. Joe was supposed to take this part, folks, but I'm a little excited because I thought it was cool. And I had literally just been talking to Joe uh, again, we were talking in GTAC, and I was saying, like, this is horrible. This is this BlizzCon is horrible. And then this stuff came up, and it was like, oh, okay, as much as I'm not a fan of Kaplan, he's redeeming himself here because it was a lot of fun. The trailer was phenomenal. I loved it. But if you are a fan of the game, which I am, I still play all the time. I, I started playing a lot more with the holiday event there because I wanted to make sure to get the Moira skin, which I did not fucking get, but I bought it because I, I luckily I made the money. Um, but yeah, it's I love the IP, and then I love old westerns. And this kind of plays with that in very fun ways. And the voice acting was as expected. And that speaks volumes of it because it was phenomenal. And you meet his old gang, the Deadlock gang. And, of course, there's a firefight and there's a package that he wants. I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, go watch it. But it then, of course, got us wondering, okay, which one of these characters are we going to get to, to play as? And Kaplan toys with that a lot by pointing out how many really good characters there are in this very brief trailer because you get various members of the gang the the deadlock gang that are all pretty cool and of course the one that stands out the most is the leader ash all right you're up now so yeah ash uh there's some history between her and jesse mccree uh i don't think it's strictly professional uh, especially with the last picture that we saw in that trailer of him hopping on that motorcycle and going off after whoever into the sunset with that lovely little image. But she's super, super fucking cool. She's a badass female cowboy, like old school train heist person. Like she's the one, if you do the route, the route 66 map and you see the broken train, that was her thing doing with all of that. Like that was her organizing that with the gang. I fucking uh, love that. I, it was great. I again, it's funny. I was I was talking to to Tristan after the entirety of BlizzCon was done, and we were chatting about the various announcements and different things, and talking about this. I was saying, you know, I kind of gotta let go of my opinions of what Kaplan used to be back in the day, and accept what he is now, and Probably what Jeff. he's doing for uh, not personally. I'm just talking <laughs> about in terms of wow, uh, Overwatch. Yeah, What he's doing with the Overwatch team is actually ridiculously impressive. He is bringing us characters that are well thought out, that are from a variety of different perspectives, not just 
the bro white dude, there's a lot of stuff going on that is really cool. But what a lot of people like as well, of course, is how it all seems to tie in to this greater plan. There's this, there's a, there's an entire world here in history and it, it almost appears as if they know it all and we're getting glimpses of how it all, all the puzzle pieces fit together at different points. And I know they're making it up as they go along, but it's being presented in such a way that it, it fits so perfectly that you, I'm looking forward to the next time I'm running that map now to really kind of look around a little bit more and appreciate that, oh, I know what happened here. That, that's fucking cool as hell. And they do a great job of that in their storytelling, especially with the shorts. But Ash, Ash is, as far as a hero goes, looks like a long range. Uh, she pays homage to the old rocket jump uh, that we all used to know from Quake, which she can apparently boost herself into the air with her lovely little sawed-off double-barrel shotgun. Uh, she throws dynamite because why the hell wouldn't the, oh, the cowboy throw dynamite? <laughs> That's so fucking awesome. <laughs> and her alt is she summons a fucking robot butler named Bob to go and bash shit. Now, I also learned from people who are hands-on at the con and playing it that Bob can receive buffs from your team as oh. if he was a team member. He can be nano boosted. He can be buffed by Mercy. So it's almost like at temporarily adding another player to your side's team for just a little bit. Well, I was, uh, I was looking at the videos for that and I was talking again, I was talking with Tristan about it and he kind of operates like a, uh, a, a turret, but one that first charges and causes damage and then plants and does a lot of damage. So if you are working with a team that works together well as a team, um, and, and using your alts wisely, he goes in and charges and then is essentially kind of attacking from the back and you're still at the front. So the, the the targets are going to be hit from two angles and have to divert their attention. It's it's going to be a pretty powerful character to play. It, it will be. And I think it'll be it'll fit right in. And I think that's really the most exciting part. So I'm I can't wait for this to go live. And then we did get a little bit about her background. Not a whole lot. They did do like this little character origin thing where it looks like she was a a almost like a rich kid that her parents didn't really want to anything to do with her and, you know, couldn't live up to their expectations. And so she was getting into fights and doing the, the sort of bad kid things that you do to get attention when your parents aren't paying attention to you. And, you know, so then what is, what does anybody do in this situation to go out and start a gang? Cause why the fuck not? You go and find your own family, you make your own family. And that's sort of her shtick. And I, I like it. It was simple. It was to the point. Uh, and the one thing I did appreciate about that is throughout all of those shots, no matter what scene it was, Bob was there. Every single one coming out of the police station, Bob was there to get her. You know, in the principal's office scene, Bob was out like off to the side. It was a nice little touch. And I, yeah. I like it. I like that. Once again, it's we've talked about this at various points because they inject their story in different ways you're not going to get it when you're playing the game but you will when you get the trailers the little stories the comics of this and that and also reading the backstories kind of thing like this is a very intelligent female character as well that is coming from not just that troubled childhood kind of thing although again it's somewhat still privileged because she's got she is born in a wealthy family but she uses that knowledge of how to manipulate people and how to manage people that she learned from watching her parents because that's what they do and she used that to bring the order to the gangs at some point as well like this is a very prominent powerful character in the gang world in this in this in the lore of overwatch so it's kind of cool that we get to play as that and as an aside what i also like is the aesthetic of the character is 
perfect as is. I know there's going to be amazing skins, especially for her and Bob together. Um, Tristan was saying they should make one that resembles the the Raggedy Ann doll and, um, oh shit, Tim Allen's character in, in Toy Story. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear in that, what was the female character, the, the cowgirl? Jesse. Jesse. They should do a Jesse and Buzz. That would be fucking awesome. But she looks, I have screenshots of a character, a spell slinger that I made in Wildstar that looked just like her. Like, it's it's just a beautiful aesthetic. I cannot wait to play this character. All right, let's move on from there. There was a little bit of Hearthstone news as well that they talked about. We are going to be getting the final set in the Year of the Raven. And it's kind of cool because if you play Horde on in WoW, then you have been getting some amazing stories from the troll perspective. Now, to be fair and to be honest, I was not a massive fan of the troll story uh, pre-battle for Azeroth in, in WoW for the most part. I'd done some. There were some interesting characters, definitely. But the lore in on Azeroth was not enough for me to really care that much about them. But then I did it in Battle for Azeroth. And now all of a sudden, it was so good that I was considering race paying to race change my druid from Torin, which he's been forever, to a, a, a troll at some point when I unlocked them. Because it was that fucking cool that you would actually have um, some pride in the race that you're playing even. Which is kind of cool to inject that in uh, an MMO that you would feel that way justifiably. So now they're taking all of the troll stuff and they're putting it into Hearthstone where periodically there's the, the nine, uh, nine teams essentially show up of the various bl- trolls from around Azeroth to battle at the Gurubashi Arena in Stranglethorn Vale. And so this is going to be called Rasakon's Rumble. And you get to play with the trolls and with the, the Loas. And then also you're playing with spirit Loas that show up to help you that you can put in your deck that have different abilities as well. I, I really thought it was cool. Actually. I don't know if it would get me in, especially now that I'm playing magic, the gathering, but it really actually looked like a fairly cool mechanic that they were putting in for, um, for the new keyword as well and things like that. So yeah, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. All right. And with that, we move on to the most contentious of discussions. <laughs> I'll save my comments till the end because I don't frankly feel like arguing, but Marty, you are up. So let's talk about Diablo Immortal, shall we? It's, uh, it takes place five years after Diablo 2. Uh, you're tracking down the uh, Skarn, the Lord of Terror, one of Diablo's lieutenants who's putting together an army to uh, resurrect Diablo yet again. And by the way, you're going to be playing this on your phone. iOS, Android, uh, and iPad versions have all been announced. Uh, no price has been set yet. Um, the I'll start with like what I think is pretty cool. It looks great. It looks like a lot of fun, potentially. I'm not sure how the controls would be. Um, and you'll be playing uh, from a selection of classes, including Crusader, Barbarian, Demon Hunter, Monk, uh, Wizard, Necromancer, and what am I missing? All right, I'm not missing anything. I'm absolutely perfect. So... Uh, <laughs> And you will be going into and and multiplaying and you're just going into dungeons and there are new monsters that are designed. Um, The gameplay is built for mobile and it does look on some level to be a lot of fun. The problem begins with, I'm not from, I'm not watching BlizzCon because I've been um, in my office and uh, not watching uh, videos at the office because it's not what y'all paint. But there is uh, an issue with like a lot of the, the fans are at the Diablo uh, screening of Diablo Immortal. 
did not go over very well. In fact, it sounded like it went over like a lead balloon. Uh, so bad, so bad. In fact, that they actually had to mute the crowd mic at one point, which is not good. Um, I think you know, not having um, knowledge of the Diablo timeline like I used to. Uh, I didn't know that there was twenty years in between Diablo two and Diablo three, uh, and the world stones. But I knew the worlds were shared, but I think it's neat to have little independent stories in between those two major titles um but a mobile diablo game this is the question um like and i let let the fighting begin what's the problem with the diablo mobile game in and of itself nothing i just think the big issue here was the crowd had expectation that weren't just not met but like a mobile game is kind of the antithesis of anything core gamers ever want to hear like personally i have no problems with it because i haven't played it yet i don't know enough about it to have a fully formed opinion but it, it's just like when they were doing the command and conquer thing at e3 it's like that that was not what the fans wanted to see and they reacted very poorly to it uh, in far too extreme so, circumstance but it's just i think that was the biggest problem was there was an amount of expectation amongst the crowd and that i don't even think it boils down to expectation and i've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple hours between my my comments on it in in our group chat and now it's it's the lack of any support or mention or notion of anything else yeah like they could have at least shown like concept art or something for or what even working or on. even say and confirm that they're working on a core game because they still we know they that. are <laughs> no no we we think they are they've been very non-committal about it like looking back and I even and it's, I was like because somebody mentioned that at work when i was talking about it and i was like you know i don't actually remember them saying that i went back and looked at all the interviews they've been very non-committal about it right but, so, but we know from like job postings and stuff like that, that do we because there's been nothing about mobile until now and all those un and there's been nothing that said said uh you know core game or diablo or anything it was unannounced project well the unannounced project became this now this is what they've been hiring for maybe because I, I i i'm i'm unconvinced that because we know that blizzard is not handling like the lion's share of development on this game either they one well, no, they say that it's split 50 50. Right. So, but here, here's what but, we here, here's my pro like. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. It, it the things that I that I have a problem with it is not that this exists. I understand that I am not the target audience for this. I don't even think I own a device that can actually run the game, because it's built for new technology and next gen phones and mobile devices. That's fine. I understand that this is also where the market is going, and that everywhere else in the world that isn't North America is mainly mobile gaming. I also get that. We don't know pricing during the interview process, and they had a group interview that they did. They haven't committed to their pricing model yet, so we don't even know if this is going to be a premium game, if this is going to be something where you buy chapters. They haven't decided. Uh, they haven't decided how the end game is going to work yet. They just know that there's going to be one. Uh, they haven't decided what systems they're actually going to keep in the game from the core Diablo experience, just that it's going to feel like Diablo. Like, but my problem that I have with this is that, yeah, you've announced it, and you keep talking about how you want to make this game fun and that people want to play, but we don't know what tech specs are going to be required. We don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know really anything, and the only things we have to compare it to, as far as the mobile go, are the other games that the person that they're partnering with, the company that they're partnering with, has produced, which have the exact same UI, Have the they're using their engine, it looks like. I, I don't really buy that they've built this from the ground up but it's like it just looks like a diablos can put over those and those ones were microtransaction to hell to the point that they were actually pulled from the playstation network and the microsoft store because they violated their terms which are already pretty generous i have some concerns and not a lot of information to sort of to weigh that down now that said i want this to be good i want people to enjoy the hell out of this game I want Diablo to be a thing that is still around. And I want this to do well partially because I want them to go, okay, let's take some of this money and actually do Diablo four or something else. There's just not enough information. And, and, and yet that's you're, the part. you're making an assumption. 
in that very statement, you're making an assumption that Diablo 4 is not happening when we don't have that information. I Let me, didn't say that. But that's what you I implied earlier, to too, that, that you didn't think, you weren't certain that it was going through. But that's the thing. We don't know. So we don't know that this is the direction that Diablo is going in. It makes Let's be honest, it makes no sense that they would let go the reins of Diablo, even if they're still controlling half of it to, to decide what's going in and whatnot, but that they would just hand that over. Like, they're, I, they're going to make other games. So, let me ask you this. But you're and, making that assumption as well. Like, we no, don't know for sure. They haven't said anything about that. Yes, but, okay, if they had announced Diablo 4, and then they had announced this. Do you think people would be railing against this at all? No. I don't. If they, if so they would, then, okay, but hold on, please, please, one second. So then let me ask you this. Does that not mean to you that then the people that are bitching about this somehow feel they're entitled to know that there is another game being worked on, whether there is or not? Here's a studio that's coming out and saying, hey, we made this game for you. And people are going, that's not what we want. We want this instead. And it's like, where do you get off? Like, that's, be, be, that's it doesn't matter if you're a lifelong fan. No, you're not entitled to jack shit from these people. Okay, let me ask you a question. How is an audience supposed to react to not enjoying something that's presented to them? Not being jackasses, honestly. So booing is being a jackass. Yes, yeah. It's but when they cheer for stuff, they're fanboys. I never said that. You have with me in the past. It, no, it depends on what you're. Again, you're trying to really black and it, white something, and that's not no, how it no, no. Works. That, that, that's the thing. I, I'm I'm actually being very generous with this game, and I'm not saying that people are absolutely feeling entitled to it, but they're feeling slighted for a couple different reasons. It's okay to do things and be adventurous, but when your core fan base for something has been trying to get you like information to make a game more enjoyable with Diablo 3 over the course of how many years at this point, like, and it's gotten to a point where it's playable, it's fun, and that, that's great, they'd like to hear something maybe a little bit more than here's a mobile game. And yeah, I, you can say that's entitlement, you can say that, and that's fine, that's your prerogative. I don't view it as entitlement. I view it as somebody who loves a franchise like me. Again, I don't have, I don't think I own a device that could be able to run this game, but I don't know. And even so, if it's a game that I can't even play, why am I going to be interested? In? But I again, you just said you don't know. Like a lot of these people are jumping to the worst case scenario and they don't know all these because. comments about microtransactions we don't know and I, and that's not me coming to the defense of them because i have railed against them because of their microtransactions in games and because of the absurd costs of pets and mounts and and services that they offer so i'm not saying it's not going to happen it may what i'm saying is we don't know and because i have played enough spectacular mobile games that did not use micro microtransactions i'm not jaded by that so i'm like okay we'll see because this might be something that is actually ridiculously good and I want the, it to be. the tablet or a phone lends itself beautifully to an arpg so the potential is there for this to offer and very interesting stories that we have not heard that are coming from the official guys. So we're getting the lore of, oh, what happened during these years? We love these characters. So this is going to be an insight to tide us over until, again, they keep producing games with their IPs. They're not going to let the IP die. They're going to make another Diablo at some point. said anything about letting it die. And, 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 and to right. put it in context, and to put it in context, like, Crusaders of Light, which is the last game that NetEase produced, the most recent one, won't run on any of my devices. And that game's about a year old. So if I'm judging from that, then yeah, I'm probably not going to be able to play this. And you're right, I don't know for sure. They might have done something spectacular to make this game run on older hardware. But I'm not going to replace my phone or my tablet just to play the game. 
And I know a lot of other people that are in that position as well, because for us, those devices are nothing more than an e-reader or a base telephone. And that's us. And I think part of it is too, is now we're feeling, at least in my case, and I can't speak for everybody, I'll speak for myself. I feel like I might wind up being left out of an IP that I love. And you're like, you're saying these are core stories. These are important stories. These are things that are coming straight from the people that I might not get to experience. But that'd and, be the case if you didn't have a strong enough computer to run Diablo three either. Not everybody's got a, a computer strong enough to run it, but it's more likely for a game to be made backwards compatible on a device, whether it's a console or a PC than it is on a mobile device. And that has a lot to do with the fact that the architecture between mobile devices changes based on hardware a lot more frequently than it does on PCs and consoles. I understand what you're saying. It is a valid point, but when it comes to mobile devices, you could literally have like, I, you could have a Motorola G5 and then that hardware changes to a Motorola G6. And now anything that ran on that G5 won't run on a G6 or the things that run on a G6 won't run on a G5 because it is a slightly different chipset or a slightly different logic board. You're talking to me like I'm not IT too, fuck. <laughs> I... I'm talking to you and the rest of the audience that is listening who might not be. So I just want to jump in. Like I was what in our discord channel, Joe, you were talking about like, you're not target audience, but you're a Diablo love. And it sounds like the reason why you're not the target audience is because you are not a mobile gamer. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I also just wanted to jump in and also say like, I, I don't want to make an assumption one way or the other, but I think the benefit of the doubt for certain companies, they don't have it anymore. I'm not saying that Blizzard uh, is one of those companies. Um, however, if we're worried about microtransactions and especially with mobile game, that is one of the ways that they monetize their platform. That is something that would give me pause. And I know nothing about NetEase. I know nothing about this developer. Um, I do have a lot of faith in Blizzard to do stuff right. Uh, I'm not even mad at them for not developing Overwatch for the, my platform of choice. But if, if the platform and the publisher and the people that they're working with do not have the reputation that Blizzard does, then I don't think this game or these people, uh, this this particular Diablo development gets the assumption that it's going to be good either. You get nothing. So being skeptical of what they can actually pull off is a pretty fair point to have, I think, because otherwise we're not critical enough to to see what's going on. But it's and not critical. That, it's not gr critical if you're guessing. Critical oh, is a critical of a do. fact. We don't we can't be critical of something we have not seen yet. And the fact remains oh. that they yes, their other games may have been heavily microtransactions. Again, I'm not coming to their defense here, people, but if just because the other ones were does not mean this one will be as well. I'm not saying that it won't be, but Blizzard does have the authority as the owner of the IP to define as part of the contract. Okay, you're going to make it and you'll charge for this, this and this, but you're not going to charge for the other stuff. So I think that we have to wait and see. And then if it's horrible, fucking nail them against the wall for it. But if not, Allow the people that are a, that have the device to use it, to, to sure. take part in it, to enjoy it. And I have no problem with that. And like I said, and I've said this in my tweet and, and uh, several of my tweets, I hope people enjoy this. I hope that mobile gamers enjoy this. I hope that this is a good game. I hope that this doesn't suck and doesn't fail. I don't want it to. And I don't want it to be thought of that I want it to, to fail or that I think it's going to be absolute trash out of the gate. I'm viewing this with skepticism based off of the information I do have. My opinion may change as I get more information. We've done that in the past. But right now, and, and again, mark it on the calendar because I'm agreeing with Marty, holy shit. But we don't, we, we can only go off of the body of work that the other developer has done in com combination with Blizzard, who has already made massive missteps with Diablo 3 in the past. Let's be, let's be perfectly honest about that. And we railed against that. If we're not critical up front and say, these are our lines in the sand, that's fine. But if we're sitting there shitting on it and saying it's going to be trash from the beginning, that's different. And that's when I get into the territory where, where you're coming from. I want this to be good. I don't want this to be fucking trash. I want this to be a good Diablo game and an entry in the series. And I want players to enjoy this game. 
And maybe, maybe it'll be something I get to experience and enjoy as well. I don't know. I can only look at it with current skepticism with the information I have now. That's it. It's for me. And I, we could go keep going on with like the, the interface and, and whatnot, but I think that's largely overreaction. The thing for me is I remember a few years ago when they announced Diablo three coming to consoles and the pretty much general reaction from the majority of the Diablo community was laughter. Like, it's stupid. It's not going to work. You can't do Diablo on consoles. They tried it once. It didn't work back with the original Diablo. I think it was on PlayStation 1. Yep. And yeah, it was legitimately a disaster because they didn't get the interface right and it didn't work. So it, they you're just using your past experiences to determine, you know, make a decision about the future. You can certainly use your past experiences to to, to kind of gauge your interest but you can't make a judgment based on past experience because when that console version of diablo 3 came out it was the best version of diablo 3 on the market mm -hmm. for i think it was almost two years before they took again a lot of the systems that worked in the console version and, and brought them back. to the yep. pc version it wasn't just the auction house getting rid of the auction house didn't magically fix diablo 3 it was taking a lot of those special console exclusive design choices and bring them back to the PC version that really made the game what it what it is now. So I I, I just want to impart that yes, you can use past experiences. Like like you said, Joe, like you you have knowledge of NetEase's past games and this and that. And that is painting your your expectations, but you're also not judging it yet. And I, I feel that's where people need to draw a line. You could be apprehensive. Correct. You can be not, you know, not interested even, but to just flat out say it's not going to be good before we even really know about it is a, a severe overreaction at this point. And I agree with that. And the only thing that I would say that, that I wish they would do during BlizzCon now that would probably stop a whole lot of this hate and a whole lot of the people that are jumping to these conclusions is to saying that they're still doing other things, which again, they've been non-committal about in the past, right? And if they say we're still looking at other Diablo stuff as well, that would probably go a long way to saying that to getting these people to, to sort of kind of not hate on the mobile side. And I was talking about this with like with Tart before we were recording. Like, yeah, Diablo 4 not being announced, we knew that that wasn't going to be a thing. Uh, Part of us also were wondering if we were going to get a Diablo 2 remaster or something along those lines, or even just a little snippet. But anything that would have accompanied this that said, look, we're experimenting and we're going to see if this is work because we think that's going to be great for a lot of players, but we're not forgetting about people that aren't mobile gamers. Like even just a little something like that would probably go a long way to easing this over, but they're not doing that. And I think that's part of the problem. All right, Marty, you got any parting thoughts? Two weeks in a row, Joe and I are on the same page. If that doesn't encourage everyone to buy gold and worry about the apocalypse, I don't know. Uh, that <laughs> and uh, I don't, you know, like I, I again, I do agree with Joe. We uh, criticism being skeptical is totally fair. Booing, being upset about it, sure, booing it. I there's where I'm starting to get a little bit wishy washy, but I just I want. The idea that a person who loves the property won't be able to play the property because it's not their style of game because they don't have the device, that's I, – I empathize with that a lot. I really do. It's the Mac user in me. But I – Also, but, the Spider-Man wanted to play in you that don't have the oh, PS4. Yeah, I get God you. Damn it. Oh, that was right in the balls, Joe. Right, 199 right Black Friday, Marty. I know. I know. Guys, guys, I've got a plan now. Anyway. <laughs> I, I literally listen, do. Vince. You got no fucking say in this whatsoever. You who buys a, a Switch and three Switch games, not a yes, Switch exactly. and two Switch games and one PS4 My, game. Myself, three. who already put a, a large investment in video games, did not want to create a future, a further investment in game that he will not play based immediately based on his previous investment. Wait, wait, it's going to go what? on sale next month anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I think it made sense. I'll okay. draw you a diagram. We're fucking done here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us, folks. You can find this for the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on iTunes, Switcher, and on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe's lawyers at J. Vincent Simodian and Marty is Officer Gleason. With that, we'll see you f- f- fucking a few days. Talk to you later. Soon. That's all right. That's all right, mama. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 